Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I mean, I watch Shark Tank and I'm always like, what invention could I come up with? And of course, it's just like another version of a flashlight. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast. It's your host, Eric Williams. Today, we have my friend Jared Goldstein on the podcast. I actually met Jared when I was in LA doing stand-up comedy. He is truly the most funny. He is a Time Out LA comic to watch, a New York comedy festival comic to watch, and he's been on TV shows like Modern Family, Rizzoli and Isles, The Unicorn on CBS. But most recently... He starred in Nikki Fresh on Quibi with the one and only Nicole Richie. And actually, the day we recorded this, the news came out that the show was nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. So that's where our conversation begins. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends, and enjoy. What? In the world. What in the world? What did you feel when you were just like... I got a text from the showrunner. I was reading. Brag. (laughs) (laughs) And I hear a ding. And I was like, oh, let's go get that ding. Walked over, checked it out. Thought it was Carrie. And I went, oh. My stomach kind of sank a little bit because, like, we are sort of, like, waiting on news, kind of... But it's all very, it's all very Hollywood. And I thought, oh, let's just see. And I opened it and I certainly wasn't expecting that. And I saw like a list. And also there was no title. There was just like the deadline article, but like a screenshot of the list of best short form. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was like, wait, so I texted her, I said, what is this? And she was like, oh, it's for the Critics' Choice Awards. And I went, oh my God. That's so cool. It is so cool. So you saw a list of shows. You're just like, what is this list for? It turns out it's because you're a winner, baby. A nominee, baby. I'm a nominee, baby. <laughs> you're a nominee, baby. <laughs> yeah. And then I just immediately, frantically started flexing and <laughs> make, getting a post together and like, you know, who am I going to rub? Whose face am I going to rub this in? You immediately thought of your high school bullies and which one you were going to DM first. <laughs> 
I did see one chat? high school friend in the in the likes, and it it made me feel like drunk with power. <laughs> oh, Jared, you're living the goddamn dream to oh. find a level of success where your high school bullies will get to read it and then realize, man, I shouldn't have been so mean to that guy. Uh, yeah. Are there any high school bullies that you still think about? Yeah, you know, actually, my high school bully was extremely formative. And honestly, there were three of them. And they were all, no offense, white gays. None taken. I think white gays can be some of the meanest, some of the biggest bullies. But also, I dare to make a guess that at the time of them bullying you, they weren't out as white gays? Or were they? They literally were. (gasps) Jared, I hate this. I don't like it. Here's here's how psychotic this is. Um, It's two students out one teacher (gasps) not technically out because of the time but we all knew and uh and he was like pretty like he wouldn't lie about it but he wasn't talking about it like we were all just being very mature Mm. and we were we really were that was a very cool thing about my school we were extremely progressive in so many ways that i didn't even think about until later in life and yet these Fucking gay bullies. bullies were bullying what should have been their greatest ally. I know, I know. So they were so funny. They were so mean. Um, and I just wanted them to like me. And they did not. And they just let me know all the time how much they didn't like me. Um, and when I started seeing a therapist as an adult and talking about this bully, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if I reached out and just kind of reconnected and said like, Hey, Hey girl. <laughs> um, and I did, and I did. And I, I knew that I needed to measure my expectation because my expectation and what I was hoping for and what I wanted was for him to, you know, really like meet me in this like emo place and mm. just say like, yes, and I'm sorry. And I understand. And I knew all along and I've done work on myself and I want to tell you about it and we can go back and forth about it. Um, These and seem like high expectations to me. These seem like dreamlike state of what a bully would say. And Jared, I is it is it a bad guess if I say that's not what you received? It's not. It's not. Um, it wasn't bad, but it, he was just very like he was pretty dismissive. He was like, "Oh, it's just like childhood stuff." Okay, see, um, I don't like. I don't see. I don't like that. That to me is just like you. You know what you're not going to do here is invalidate my feelings. You know what you're not going to do here is tell me <laughs> that it wasn't that bad because it turns out what was. I'm going to tell his name for this is Chad. No, that's not a gay name. It's not a gay enough. I'm going to say his name was like teddy teddy it's not enough for you to say that was childhood stuff because teddy you were mean and it actually did affect me and i uh, it shows that you haven't grown emotionally like the way i have yeah i mean i just felt like what i said to him was like we were some of the only gay people we knew you were the first gay person i ever knew and we were at each other's throats and that's so sad and and Let's talk about it. And he was just like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, yeah, it is whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Which I think I would understand if it was just like, oh, we were just like bullies or whatever. But it wasn't just that. It was like this whole other thing. And, 
yeah. So we did get to talk about Drag Race, which was like kind of fun and nice to be like, wow, I'm talking to Teddy about RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, the great equalizer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do get that. I think it's so tough to talk with a high school bully that also was gay that is like a part of the reason why your own gay experience was difficult. When I was huge, huge. And that is one of the saddest things. Like we, when I was in middle school and high school, one of the bigger bullies was a gay guy and he was one of the only out people. And I'm sure he was reacting out of being out in Missouri, you know, like (laughs) dealing with that. But he was not only kind of mean, he would like hit on and accost all the straight men as a way of like trying to be controversial, but then giving the stereotype of gay men being predators, it was this horrible cycle. So part of the reason I'm realizing this right now, part of the reason I didn't come out until within a minute of me graduating high school was that I didn't want to be like that bully. I don't want people to say, Oh, you're gay. So you're also going to accost me like this guy has been. Cause I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. <sighs> I was punched once in middle school. By Teddy? Not by Teddy, but she's now married to a woman. Oh. So I, what, I, what I mean to say is that all of my bullies growing up were queer people. Oh, that is a tough pill to swallow. A when tough... I logged onto Facebook in probably 2013, scrolling, 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 and then I saw, we'll call her Nikki, that Nikki married a woman. I was like, you're kidding. And then when you look back and you're like, oh, like, yeah, the signs were all there. But it's just like, damn, every bully, every last one of my bullies, whether you're, whether you're a girl, whether you're a boy, whether you're a damn teacher, mm. all of my bullies were queer. Well, then I think the question needs to be asked, where in this country or this world <laughs> like, were you? You're the really? common thread. What the fuck were you doing? <laughs> Turns out you were just... I know. Like, I was just such a piece of shit. I was just outing all these people in my town, <laughs> printing out flyers. They're gay. All these people <laughs> were bullying me because I was putting up flyers in the coffee shop that Teddy sucked <laughs> dick. And it's like, let me live, Teddy. Let me live. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were bullying you. Um, where did you grow up? Long Island's. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, it tracks because when I moved to New York, I was like, I'm finally moving to the most liberal place in the world. And it turns out New York State has some of the meanest homophobic people you've ever met. Yeah. Also, I my experience, like, I really do mean that, like, I felt like a very progressive town that I was in. And um, when it wasn't until I moved into Manhattan that I became really aware of uh, of being biracial. Mm-hmm. And of being gay or of being closeted, I'll say. Um, but I, and I, I sort of attest that to like when I moved to New York, it was suddenly like all strangers all the time. So people would want to be, would ask me, you know, what are you? Um, and also I, I went to a college that was like the ratio of like, of like male to female students was like one to three and like something like 90% of the, of the male students were gay. Uh, so the female students, uh, it was very common for like orientation. The first month of school, the first thing a girl would ask you ever always was, are you gay or straight? And for a closeted 17 year old, it's like, this is the worst place to be. I'm constantly being asked if I'm gay or straight. Like just when you meet people, just the first thing they say to you and you're like, fuck, I'm like, this is the one thing I need you not to talk to me about. 
Um, and then on top and of that, they were, and they were huh. leading with it. They were just oh, leading. leading. Absolutely leading with it. And, or even worse, like how many times I'd be at a party and like someone drunk would just like scream, it's so obvious you're gay. Come out. When are you going to come out? In front of like all of my friends who I've been like so meticulously lying to for the last like six weeks. And I'm just like, God. All it takes is one drunken party goer to call out the elephant in the room and then put the entire facade of all the work you've been putting oh. in. Man, Jared. Yeah. Rough. So then when did you actually, did this put you further into the closet or were you finally just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to drink this Malibu rum and make <laughs> out with. No, it did. It put me further into the closet. I was so like, so scared to come out. I was so scared, like so unable to do it could not do it couldn't fathom doing it this is kind of crazy for me because sometimes i feel like if i didn't live in missouri where i'd grown up that it would have been so different but i don't think it would have been i don't think i would have like grown up on long island and be like you know what at least i'm in new york where there's where's broadway it's just a subway stop away yeah because i was just the same as you i was so terrified i like my i will say my bully i don't think was gay I kind of want to say his entire name and dox him, but I won't do that. I know. That. I want to say mine too, because he has a really good, alliterative, fun name to say. Fuck. But. And mine has a really good bro straight man. But like, he has a family. I'm sure he's <laughs> changed. That's all I hear. It's like, no, he's different now. He's really different. I'm like, oh. Just yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. Oh, because he's 30. Ugh. Well, that actually brings a really important question because you you've, were able to kind of overcome the drunken questions to overcome the ignorant people first asking if you're gay, but then finally you do come out. What do you think, like what, who made you gay? What was there a movie? Was there an actress? Was there a person that you were just like this? I see myself in this and I am fully a gay human. I used to tell a joke about when I was four years old, uh, my parents lost me in a football stadium and I was found by a gay couple. <gasps> and that's the story of how I was turned. <laughs> um, and for a while, I did wonder. <laughs> I was like, maybe, maybe that happened. Um, you know, I watched Will and Grace every day. And on some, I knew that I was gay, but I, I didn't. You know how it's like sort of like this weird, nebulous idea that you it's like floating in your mind, but you're not, you're not ever fully looking at it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt about it. Like I, it took me, uh, I knew that I was gay. It was so obvious. I was so terrified of being it, but I also was able to kind of put it in this, in this little place, like this little place in my mind that it just, I kind of could, I'll deal with it later. But I watched Will and Grace every fucking day. And my parents knew that I watched it every day. And I, part of me was almost like kind of daring them to be like, cause I also watched friends and I also watched everybody loves Raymond. And I just, I loved sitcoms mm. and Will and Grace was just one of them, but Will and Grace was my favorite. And yeah, I mean, I, it must be them. It must be them. I mean, I would watch Will and Grace and think Will was one of the hottest men alive. And it was kind of a shock when I found out he was not, not actually gay. Yeah. He was so hot. Like I want to say like season, like, six he like they both got hot yeah and they just take your, their shirts off and you're just like yeah. wait a minute this entire time will's been hiding this like chiseled hairy chest yeah 
And then and I'll talk about going Sean to... Sean Hayes got, like, absolutely fucking ripped. Sean Hayes, that's the thing, is, like, I think maybe... This is me just putting it on him. Did he, like, not want to be just the campy gay character, but also wanted to have, like, gorgeous arms and wanted to show his sex appeal? I don't know, but he clearly put the work in. Yeah. But, of course, my internalized homophobia was only into Will. Mm. I'm not proud of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, I guess it's a, it's, like, that is... That's you, but it's also them and, you know, it all that, you know, what's interesting. I wonder if you had a similar experience about this. I started uh, being open about my internalized homophobia, like a few years too soon for the culture. And (laughs) the way that like straight white women would look at me when I would tell them about my internalized homophobia, they'd be like, but you know, that's bad, right? And you shouldn't be bad. And it's like, oh man, I remember in college, I talked about internalized homophobia and this, a student raised her hand and she was like, that doesn't make any sense. Gay people can't be homophobic. They're homo, they're homosexual. And, and I'm like, oh. pull up a chair. I'm about to show you how I much know, I hate myself. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, I used to talk about my internalized homophobia to fucking crickets, crickets, the way straight people who definitely called kids faggots not seven years prior would right. look to me like I was some sort of demon from hell. <laughs> oh, fuck that. You know what, Jared? You were you're just a man before his time. That's all you were. A trailblazer yeah. in internalized homophobia. You need to know when I... <laughs> I invented internalized homophobia, okay? Credit where credit's due. <laughs> yeah. When I came out to my own twin brother, I told him, because I was just practicing the monologue in my head, I said, you know what? I don't want to be gay. But I am, and I'm learning to deal with it. That's how I would come out, because that's my, like, 18-year-old Missouri race oh self to being God. like, I know this is bad, but I actually am what you have been calling me for the past decade. <laughs> and it turns out, I'm not going to be able to change this whole genetic makeup, but what I can do is change how I feel about it. And so the famous response from my brother was, who, like, probably knew one and a half gay people in his entire life. He stopped the car, and he was like, wait a minute. If you don't want to be gay, then you're not. And I was like, and that's where you're wrong, Mike. <laughs> where you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, that reminds me of that, like, um, it's like such like a boomer mentality of like, it's like you're, you're being supportive of a gay person, but also deeply insulting when you'll say something like, being gay is not a choice. Why on earth <laughs> would they choose it? Why? Why would you wake up? Why would you choose it? You know, and it's just like, okay, thanks. Who would want to wake up next to another man and put his mouth on a man? No one in their right mind would ever choose such a disgusting choice. You know Um, that they're not choosing to live a life that's difficult. I just want you to be happy. That's all moms, unfortunately, back in those days. I just just don't want you to have a harder life. And again, I understand what's behind that. But you're right. It's like a devastating thing. You know, one of my other least favorite responses is when you come out to someone and they go, (laughs) I mean, I knew. Of course I knew. I was just waiting for you to tell me. It's like, do you want a fucking Pulitzer Prize for the fact that you know it's about? Congrats, Sherlock. Right. Like I, I've been wearing, I was wearing a crop top with dream girls on in eighth grade. Of course you knew it's just, it took me a minute. So why don't you just like leave that opinion to yourself? Uh, yeah, that was tough. That was tough. But you know what? We're here and clearly you're thriving. I mean, you are an award nominee. <laughs> we can bring it back to the award. Oh, I mean, Jared, you're in award season. You're in award season right now. 
Wow. You know, I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> was it crazy to see your name on a list with Andy Cohen? What, what, what happened when you saw that? Well, to be clear, my name is not on the list. I'm so sorry. The, the show the name in which... Of the show. Yes, yes, yes. Which <laughs> is on the watch. It's Nikki Fresh, everyone. It's on Quibi, which I want to get into that as well. Um, what a roller coaster. What a roller coaster. I just, I don't even know where to begin with this because it's, A of all, congratulations. I, I am such a fan of yours. I think you are so effing funny and special and deserve everything. You deserve everything. There's so many people that, of course, trying to do this thing. But when I see Jared Goldstein and I see all the good things, I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. The universe needs to guide this person there because this person deserves that. Oh, thanks. Thanks for saying that. Of course. So... Nicole Richie, Jared Goldstein, they arrive on set every day. They're filming this show. Was it just, were you used to it by like the fourth day or every day where you're just like, so this is happening and I feel crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a a dream from heaven. It was so incredible. Um, but you, but you have to play cool though, because you have to like, you have to do the job, Mm. you know? And then like, also Nicole is like, this incredibly hot glam squad. Mm. And I was just, it was just so much to, it's so funny to think like, it's very cool to think how I, you know, I've been, I started when I was a kid, I was a child actor that was like 20 years ago that I started. And if I had gotten this job, like at a different time, like earlier in my life, I would not, I would not, I would not have been um, like able to do it. Mm. Um, like I've been on sets with like hot gay hair people that have absolutely destroyed me without even knowing it or trying, but just like the intimidation of being around a really hot gay person as the only other gay person and you don't know them and you're on their turf and you're kind of doing that kind of thing where you're like, you know, I know, you know, I know, you know, I know. And she had such an intimidating, great, they're all great. They're very nice people. Um, but just very intimidating. Um, so are you not dating one of them? I am not like truly. We did not really interact very much. Like I still feel like a lot of like high school bully stuff that it's like, I know that they're not, that they're not bullies to me, but I know that I just have all of this, like all this, all this. So I just had to like kind of keep, just keep a little bit, just a little bit of distance because I was like, I'm here to do this job and I can't like, I can't show up and just feel like, like, like I'm in sixth grade again, you know? Yeah. But I think it also, I'm picturing like every different environment makes you act in such different ways. Like I'm sure given the circumstances, you can fully show your specialness and like not feel the eyes of a hot gay person and rich. They're rich too with tattoos. Oh, they God, they were just so like, like a, like a, like a, like a Santal Aesop candle come to life. <laughs> and there were like four of them. Four beautifully lit flickering Aesop candles. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yes. you don't even want to move because you'll break something. Yes. Yeah. Like truly. But that's also tough to be in the presence of any gorgeous rich person. Like it's hard to act. And then cool. Nicole Richie on top of that. <laughs> literally like and she's like the whole show is just like looks 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 so she would be in like four different gowns every day with also four different 
hairstyles. Four <gasps> different hairstyles. It was iconic. It was the Olympics. She she nailed it. And her team, they all nailed it. Um, and to just walk out all day and then stand next to the most beautiful person who is also like so funny, so smart, has read every book that I have read and then 1700 more is so um, like polite and professional. Like truly, I, I mean, it was, I was the diva on set. I was like, <laughs> get it together. Well, we're seeing the common thread here that you're the monster bully that everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I love to hear. That was when you hear about someone so famous and, and incredible, when you hear they're actually amazing and smart and funny and kind and gracious. It's like, that's the dream scenario. Because when you hear the opposite, it can crush your soul. If you, I mean, can you imagine working with someone that you've been like watching on TV for your entire life and then they're just a total monster to be with? But it sounds like you actually became really good friends with her. Yeah. Yeah. If you can believe it. I, I mean, but see, that's what I'm telling you, Jared, is I can because <laughs> I can. Um, because it's on that list and I, I just was looking at the Deadline article, your relationship to Bravo, pop, that type of pop culture of reality TV, Real Housewives, do you have any like guilty pleasures or things that you will watch any day of the week to make you feel better? I will say um, specifically to like uh, to Bravo, um, I loved The Real Housewives. I I feel like I've put my 10,000 hours in. I started like at the beginning. So I don't watch anymore, but not because I wouldn't like it. I just, after like 10 years, you just like, it's time to move on, you know? Yeah. Were you kind of uh, loyal to one franchise? Were you an New equal opportunity? Yes. New York. I was like, Bethany, uh, you're, you're down here. I'm up here. Kelly Ben Simone. Yes. That was, I, some of that still brings me so much watching Bethany make it like just, Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, she's literally in a grocery store t- giving out samples and then no one gives a shit about her cut too. She's selling skinny girl for how many millions of dollars. Did you recently hear about the Carol Radziwill and Bethany kind of fallout rumors of as to why they had such drama in their friendship ending? I, I know many, most of my friends were team Bethany or not team. It seems like everyone hated everyone and it was very hard to tell who was right and who was wrong. Like there sort of seemed like there wasn't a right person anymore. Yes. And I think what was tough about that is that Carol and Bethany were very close with an apparently with the, the rumor that's behind the scenes based on some of the Bravo things I've been listening to is that Bethany was trying to get some sort of production deal with through a friend of Carol's and Carol would not help her with this. And Bethany essentially used that against her and the entire season, Bethany was trying to get Carol to do this thing and Carol wouldn't do it. And the friendship just ended because Bethany was trying to get her own TV show, which makes me sad. Interesting. But that doesn't take away from my love of Bethany Frankel. I think she is good TV. Yeah. Have you listened to her podcast? I haven't. Is it good? It is a podcast. Mm. It's not bad. It's certainly not bad. But I think that like, and this is sort of where like, I don't like, when I fell in love with Bethany, I was like literally a teenager. So I'm not a teenager anymore. So like when I, when I, when, and also like the last year has, (laughs) I feel like has just been so what it's been Mm -hmm. that like, Every anything that felt 
like it was either like about to be antiquated or was antiquated a year ago now is just like, I mean, come on. It's, you gotta, it's, we gotta, like, this can't be. And, um, but I still love, I still like, there was, it was so, I'm so inspired. Like I, by her story and like watching her like work so hard and, and it hadn't been done. Like she like invented that, you know? She did. And she also, the way she's grown her business from being a reality TV personality to being a judge on Shark Tank. Oh, is that what she is? She was, she has perfect. Yeah. And she's so good. I mean, I watch Shark Tank and I'm always like, what invention could I come up with? And of course it's just like another version of a flashlight, Um, (laughs) but But it's a butt, but it's a butt. But this time it's It's a a butt. Oh no, there's, there's every orifice. But it's also a flashlight. It will turn. If you twist the nozzle off, you can just, it can be a flashlight. And actually you can use it as a flashlight as you're fucking it. Yeah. I heart New York. It's up to you. What, so how, what have you been coping? Like what, what have you been doing for self care? What have you been doing to survive the Los Angeles pandemic? Um, it's a lot of, um, sort of like softly accusing my roommate of, endangering my critics choice nomination (laughs) you mean you have to protect it at all costs yes um i it's honestly i've like i've thrown myself into grooming Mm. are we talking jade rollers are we talking condition not jade rollers but uh derma rollers i started using Mm. derma rollers which has been an interesting sort of journey into poking needles into my face oh wow that's what a derma roller is um I see. like an exfoliation yeah yeah um yeah there's been derma rolling there's been pedicures there has been wax places jared mm-hmm. there you know, has been you're just at your home trying to let the virus subside and just waxing your body yeah Um, and working out, I work, I'm at a point now where I work out basically twice a day, every day. What did this, what's your secret? Fear. (laughs) Boredom. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of getting sick and dying Mm -hmm. and getting ripped feels like the opposite of getting COVID. Yes. You're, you're preparing yourself for the race wars. You're preparing yourself for the end of time you're preparing yourself for another insurrection you're preparing yourself for a civil war you're preparing yeah. <laughs> yourself for the zombie apocalypse so that you can fight your way to yeah. survival because it's going to happen i'm going to i'm going to need to do peck flies and <laughs> i got to be ready <laughs> you know what there's going to be a point where you can either send a gorgeous nude picture or perish and what you're going to do is send a gorgeous picture and your working out will have been worth it do you find yourself just like, because obviously you're working out twice a day, you're looking gorgeous. Do you find yourself just like trying to figure out who you can send another nude photo to? Yeah. Yeah, I've been. So I started seeing this guy over the summer. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, it's it, he, he dumped my ass. Okay. Um, I'm so sorry. Also, he is a writer on a show that is also nominated for a number of critics' choice. <laughs> Which, t- which was like probably like my fifth thought about it was like, that would have been really fun for us to be like, look at us. 
Um, a red carpet would have been teeming with sexual tension. Although I'm sure they all are. All red carpets have to be. I, I don't know. I'll tell you when I get to one. But Please. not yet. Um, but um, but I, yeah, I was seeing this guy and it was very exciting because I, I've never been in a relationship. And I suddenly was like, let's do it. Like once quarantine started, I was like, let's do it. Like we'll get tested and we'll figure it out and, and we'll make this happen. Because like I, I was always so afraid of spending a night in and like watching Netflix and ordering food because I was like, you got to go to Mike's, you got to work, you got to, you got to try to make this happen. Um, so in, with all this time, I was like, let's date, let's date, met this guy. We started dating. It was great. And I was like, this guy's going to be it. And like two months in, it was not it. Bummer, 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 bummer. Um, and it made me very sad, but it was also very, um, exciting and like it, it felt like, okay, great. Like that was my first real swing and it was pretty good. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep at it. Yes. Um, I mean, dating is so hard. And the fact that you had a two month thing that was like successful, devastating at the end, like that's what you, that's what you need to have. Yeah. And then you recover. And then hello, you start working out twice a day because you're like coming out of this thing. You have this momentum. That's honestly, I'm thrilled to be in a relationship and, you know, l- loving having my husband, but Every time a friend of mine goes through a breakup, I get a little jealous of the renewed energy they have. I'm like, God, that sounds. <laughs> I wish I had the energy to do a push up. How <laughs> long have you been my married? Um, <laughs> we have been married for like a year and a change. We've been together for like seven and a half years. I know. Isn't that crazy? Seven and a half years. And I know it's hacked to be like, and in the gay world, that's two <laughs> years. But I do think it's like gay or straight or whatever, I do think I've learned a lot just about what a relationship is. Because here's the thing, is that it's not what people say. It's not what anyone says about, I just met my soulmate, and every day I wake up, and I realize how lucky I am to be. It's like, I don't think anyone actually feels that way every day. Because of course, you're grateful every day, and you're so lucky to be with someone that you respect and love. However... There's dark times and really low lows that, of course, let you get to the high highs again. But my issue, as I would talk a lot in therapy, is like if there was a tough situation or a tough period, I would say, oh, so this means we should break up. I'm We're going to break up. And then, of course, the therapist was like, no, no, this just means you need to address what's wrong, get through that. And then you'll find out if, you, if you're continuing on. And then you do address the things. And then you find out, oh, wait a minute, we're better than we were before. Of course, if you address the things and you're not, and it's still bad, 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 then you're like, oh, then no, this probably wasn't meant to be. But that's the tough thing is that the the tough stretches can last for longer than you think they will. Ugh, Jared, I I, I could talk for hours, but it's just... How many relationships were you in before this one? Okay. So interesting. That's what I was thinking about you with dating this guy this summer is that I was in... What you're experiencing, I think, was like similar to me. I dated... Only one person in a serious relationship before Matt. That relationship was roller coaster in that fell in love, magical, things got tough. We broke up. We were apart for a month. Right when I started to feel really strong, I was like, wait a minute. Because that breakup was weeping on the Upper East Side for two hours. 
I walk out of his apartment. I weep on the subway. You're alive. I, I yeah. I mean, like, ding, ding, doors closed. I'm like, <laughs> try to control. Um, and then I just start crying on the subway. I, I text my friends. They come over. We have the Ben and Jerry's. And then four weeks go by and I'm starting to feel strong again. He's like, hey. Two guys, Ben and Jerry came over and you fucked. So then I call Ben and Jerry. <laughs> yeah. They plug my holes. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a chocolate fudge brownie. Um, <laughs> so I end up starting to feel really strong. And then he texts me, hey, do you want to meet up and talk? And I instantly knew that he was going to ask to get back together. And I instantly knew it was a bad idea and that I would say yes. We go to a like a bar situation in Brooklyn and he pitches me his Shark Tank pitch as to why I should purchase another relationship with him. And as I say yes and we kiss, my stomach drops. Because I knew... <laughs> I could feel myself ovulating no we just we got back together and the same problems were there i would say to him i have such a fire in my stomach because i was so angry and that was the only way i could express myself because i was i'm not a yeller i would say i have such a fire because i'm so angry (laughs) (laughs) i love that And we would just get through it somehow. And then finally, a few months after we'd gotten back together, we saw a friend of mine. And I hope, if he's listening, I want him to know it was one of the worst shows I've ever seen in New York. And we leave the show. And we subway back to to, to Brooklyn. And the friend whose show we'd just seen, he was like, do you guys want to go get tacos? And I was like, oh, no, I think we're just going to go home. Thinking we would cuddle, we would go to bed. We get to my apartment. And my now ex-boyfriend says, within two minutes of arriving home, so I think we should break up. And I was like, so sh- we should have gotten tacos. So anyways, he t- within, no exaggeration, 15 minutes, he has left my apartment with his things. And we were done. Can I tell you, I had a very similar experience. <gasps> except there was no breakup in the what? middle of it. Oh, yeah. Tell me. What was this? What was it the relationship? It was gravy, gravy, gravy. Everything was great. Uh, until it wasn't... Um, I'm just trying to negotiate with myself quickly how much of the story I want to put on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> basically like the, the night before we broke up, he was like, can we have like a difficult conversation? And I said, sure, let's just have a conversation. Um, and then we do, and then we sort of make a decision and we go great. And we feel good about it. And then we go to bed uh, and then the next morning, uh, also he had Ben and Jerry's that night. Do you remember what uh, flavor? It was like a chocolatey kind. Yes. My fave. Yeah. And then the next morning, uh, I wake up and the first thing I'm thinking about is like, okay, I'm glad that we had that talk. I feel like we have a new game plan and I'm excited and we're going to make this work. And then, uh, I like rolled over. It's probably like seven 30 in the morning. And, um, I start like touching him. Uh, and he, which wakes him up and he starts right in on the breakup speech. <gasps> I had to take my arm off of him so he could dump me. <gasps> and then within 15 minutes, he is out the door. I never saw him again by seven forty-five. <laughs> gone. Never saw him again. I think this is one of the earliest breakups there's ever been. <sighs> it was just like, and now, cause then I had the whole day, I had the whole day to be like, what happened this morning? 
Oh no. I mean, yeah. you much prefer, you much prefer crying at like 1130 PM right after you were dumped and then sleeping on it and then waking up being like, I'm sad, but there's a new beginning versus, well, now it's 8 AM. I need to get breakfast. Yeah. Like he couldn't even like get a coffee with me and then do it. That it was, it was rough. Tough. but he's a great guy. And, and we, we basically, I came the weekend and then I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like lay it all on the line mm. because that's, that was the whole point of, of doing this in the first place mm-hmm. of like showing up and like really prioritizing another person for maybe the first time. And, um, you know, I, I learned his cousin's bird's name and I sat on his couch as we watched bullshit and, ate food and I didn't go anywhere. I didn't worry about anything. I didn't, you know, there was, I mean, granted there was no world to kind of miss out on. Um, but you know, I felt like this is what I'm here to do. He's dumped me. I'm going to, I'm going to show up in the pouring rain and whatever happens happens. And I knew, I knew, I just knew that it was over. I knew it was so, oh, I so new. It was so, as he was breaking up with me, it was like, there were no question marks. It was all like, it was all periods and I was just like, I can't, but I'm so sh- like blindsided and compounded by the fact that this is so, this is so certain. This is such a declarative statement. Mm-hmm. This is like an end of it. This is so like, I'm like, how did I miss this? Like, this is so. Did you start to put pieces together in your head when he was breaking up with you? We were like, bit. oh, that, that part tracks, that part tracks. Because that's the hardest thing, I think, is when you deep down know things are maybe trending in a certain direction, but you just so desperately don't want them to. Yeah. And then as the declarative sentences are coming out, it's confirming the worst fears you were having. And that makes it even harder. And then he was, and then he's like, I'll go get your parking pass. And I'm like, oh my God. So he goes to get the parking pass and he comes back. And then I was like, so this is it. Like, <gasps> we, just, we just don't, we don't even. And he was like, yeah, I don't know how friendly we can really be. <gasps> like, so I was like, oh my, you have decided this. This is so, oh my God. Like, I can't believe it. It goes to show you why Chekhov is such a big deal because these simple things that you think don't matter. But when someone says, I'm going to get your parking pass, the weight that that can carry when it's just really, really a simple thing, but it's devastating. Oh, it was so crazy to see him be so polite. He was so polite. Because it's what happens is it instantly the molecules in the room change where all of a sudden they're acting differently. And yes, he was probably so polite, but all of a sudden you're two people that are not strangers, but you're, you can, you're envisioning your future of growing apart within seconds. That to me is one of the hardest part of a, parts of a breakup. I mean, my ex, we were together for almost two years. And the second he started to break up with me and he was gathering his things, I was like, oh my God, I don't know you anymore. I, oh my gosh, let me tell you something that I'm now just like waking up from the dream of realizing. What really happened is that we broke up and a day later, my childhood dog died. My like third, like, you know, we got hit the dog when I was, gosh, 10 years old we 13 years later i'm 23 (laughs) i get dumped the dog dies and we had my ex and i had tickets to a broadway show that i'd given him for a gift and the tickets were for like three days later 
So we not only broke up, the dog then died. And I was supposed to see him three days after that. We decided that we were still going to go together to see this Broadway show. Because we're adults, right? We can try to, to try to be there for each other. What show was it? It was Matilda. And I love Matilda so much. <laughs> I know. I wish it was, I wish it was something gayer. Although Matilda is very gay. Trunchbull, man and drag. <laughs> um, but what ended up happening is I hung out with his friend and was kind of talking about the breakup with his friend. And then she, <laughs> I said, well, how has he been? How has he been doing? He hasn't like been seeing anyone. Right. And her face dropped. <laughs> and I was like, let's call her for this. Um, Becky. I was like, Becky, has he been seeing someone already? And she's like, I really promised I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I was like, Becky, you need to tell me right now what, what happened. turns out the day after we had broken up, he hooked up with someone and I was beyond upset, angry, hurt. My, I was still sad about my dog. And so... <laughs> And so I tell her, I'm not seeing the show with him tonight. I gave her the tickets. I was like, you're going with him to see the sh- to see Matilda. I leave her apartment. I go to Bank of America to, I guess, to um, deposit some money. And as I'm walking out of the bank, I run into her and my ex-boyfriend. Wait, what? She, I gave her the Broadway tickets. I left because I was so upset. How did she get to him so fast? I, well, it was all on the Upper East Side. I was visiting her in the Upper East Side, and he lived there, too. So they must have just met up. And it was probably, like, two hours before the show. And so then I guess they met up, and they started, and they were walking around to go to the subway, and I ran into them. And I think I just said hi, and then probably cried again on the subway. But just, like, all this to say, breakups, no matter what, no matter how long you were together, no matter, it's just the universe has a way of really breaking you down because I think you inevitably do get built up. Yeah. But you really got to get broken down first. Oh yeah. For the next, that weekend, I just, uh, I would, I would like wail. I had to, I was, I'm like alone in my house most of the time. And I would just, I would be going about my day. I was making a tape. And I would just stop and then just go, no, no. And then just go back into the tape. And then 10 minutes later, I would stop and I would go, why, why? And I did that truly for hours, for days, like couldn't stop. I I just had to like, it was so visceral. I just had to like make a noise you um, had to like expel the emotion expel. yeah yeah um and then got just booked a flight and went home and saw my parents and then told them and it was like it was so because the whole time i kept thinking like i'm finally gonna get to introduce my parents to a guy mm-hmm. and i was like i'm not gonna go home right now because i'm seeing this guy and i'm putting all of my energy into this and i need to be here and to stay here and like and tend to this yeah um and they, that for those two months, they kept being like, are you going to come home at some point? Why are you coming home? And I was like, not telling them. I was like, oh, I just, you know, it's, it's better. Um, and then I had to just be like, so I wasn't coming home because I was seeing this guy and I thought that it was serious. And then he dumped my ass and now I'm so sad and I can't be in my house because even my mouthwash reminds me of him and I'm just crying all day. And now I'm here. 
Oh my god! You'll I mean, never get is... to meet him, but I can tell you about him. But it's he's gonna oh. feel like a ghost because the more I kind of tell you about him, the more it just kind of kind of seem like maybe he never was real, and maybe I'm kind of making it up. Oh my god! This is beautifully sad. I mean, beautifully sad. Like you could write a song about the how the mouthwash <laughs> reminds me. Like like Listerine, this Listerine is his, not mean. Mine. I'll work on it. Um, that is so devastating. That was pretty good. Thank you so much. Um, was your mom able to kind of like t- like go back to you were a crying teenager and kind of t- lead you through that, or what was it like mourning in front of your parents? Um. I think it was, I think they did a pretty good job of it because I think I would say like, um, like my parents famously did a pretty bad job of like, of like parenting me through morning stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, there was, they were very much, it was very New York. It was very like Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. like machismo of a boomer, Uh like, you know, get over it. Are you man up? It It was a lot of that kind of like kind of energy that just, and I'm just such a little soft boy. I'm such a, my little pony. And I've always been, Mm. and they just, and I was just dropped into this family in Brooklyn. Wow. And it was just like, Ooh, Ooh. Um, so I think that they've, I think that I've like, I think that I've like taught them to, to let me be sad. Guys, that's, that's my way out of it. Like, well, what you're really doing is showing that pr- processing the emotions is an important part of being a full feeling human. Yeah. But it's, it's also, I, I also am interested just kind of like, you know, you, what I obviously have watched so much of your stand up and such a fan that I know that you have great jokes about your dad being Jewish, your mom being Japanese and that combination in your bar mitzvah theme and i just think it's also it's also interesting to me i mean because i come from two very neurotic jews that have their own beautiful things and their own faults when it comes to emotional health but i feel like you probably it's i mean i don't know it's probably a tough question to be like how did that impact you but like it's probably so interesting to have two so many different cultural touchstones that, you know, shape you to be who you are. What, what is your relationship to your Jewish part of yourself? Like as an adult, do you feel nostalgic when a Jewish holiday comes around? Like what's, what's the feeling? I mean, I think like we weren't very religious for mm-hmm. starters. I was bar mitzvah, but it, I learned my Torah portion phonetically the night before. What? <laughs> it was basically like a, just a party in Brooklyn in an Italian wedding hall called Russo's on the Bay. Russo's on the bay. Come to Jericho. Russo's on the bay. Jared. Jared. It was very that. Do you remember any of your Torah portion? That's as much as I remember. And I don't know what that means. I mean, that is... I never knew what it meant is is what it is. But see, that's really devastating thing about Hebrew in general is that I do love being Jewish and certain holidays are quite enjoyable, but I truly don't understand a word of what the actual Hebrew I'm saying is. And the thing is, I try to impart to my Catholic husband why this is fun and why this is meaningful. He's like... My Catholic husband. Yeah, he does not have a name. (laughs) I say I'm at a party. A husband. <laughs> I at a party. I'm saying, and this is my shiksa husband. Does he have a name? <laughs> you know, and he's going to get me a drink now. Get me a drink. Um, but if we're like, if I'm like doing a prayer like that, he's like, so what does that one mean? And I'm like, um, I don't know. And I've been saying it for 30 years. I mean, it's, and again, I'm not religious either, but like, I, I just, 
culturally enjoy eating brisket. Give me a cookle. I like to light a menorah. Give me a latke. You know, it's like th- those parts that I like, but that's the tough thing. Religiously, it's like, I don't know. So did you, your bar mitzvah at this, at this hall, was it, did you have a specific theme or was the theme just like Brooklyn party? It was the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think you can make an argument that the beach is a gay theme. You definitely could. And here's the thing. And here is the damn thing. And now, now I'm putting things together and we are both waking up. Um, I hate the beach. <gasps> Whoa, we're having a moment, folks. The same bar mitzvah theme of Jared Goldstein is the thing he hates right now. I, I went on a date with a guy recently in Santa Monica. He lives a block from the beach. Oh, Jesus. Money. Really, there's a lot there. Mm. Um, and we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, what we can even do, you know, um, so we're like, why don't we walk over to the beach? And I'm like, sure. And I, but I didn't, I'm not a beach person. I didn't come for the beach. Um, so I'm in jeans, sneakers and socks and we walk on and a sweater and we walk, he's in, he's in flip flops and shorts. We walk onto the beach and he's walking towards the water. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like at some point we'll turn and then we'll just kind of walk along the water. Sure. We're getting closer and closer to the water. And then we're getting very close to the, to the dark sand that is wet sand. And then before I know it, we're stepping into the wet sand and I'm in sneakers and jeans and I stop and I go, are, are we entering the ocean? What are we doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm in clothes. What are you doing? Um, and he was like, Oh my God. Uh, he's like, and we, we figured it out. And he was like, he was, he was laughing and I was laughing and I was like, I'm sorry. I hate the beach. And he's like, I never <laughs> in a million years have met anyone who had this feeling about the beach. Let's leave right now. I'm so, I'm sorry. I regret even taking you here. We Did he have an explanation for why he was leading you into the depth of the ocean? I don't know. I literally don't to this. Like, I, I know that I was being the weird one with my, cause I kind of bring all of this. I hate the beach <laughs> energy, but he was literally walking into the water. And I'm like, you, you're wearing clothes. You're not even in a swimming, like, what are you like, getting in the what's water? What's your end for? game here? Where yeah, you, it was where so crazy. That? We're just like, it was like a game of chicken. Like, <laughs> well, why are you doing this? It was very bizarre. Ocean um, chicken. But I, I don't like, I don't like the beach, and um, and and my apartment's a theme was the beach, and it was the beach because my dad worked for Tommy Bahama, and he could <gasps> no, free, he, he could get free towels, free like beach stuff for the party. So all these 13-year-olds walked away with these gigantic Tommy Bahama towels. Yeah, yeah. They were gorgeous. They're, like, stunning. They're huge. They are so soft. They're, like, a, they're like a color dream. They're really very cool. Um, and then we gave out Krispy Kreme donuts as well, which was a big deal. It was basically like a cronut, if you know. If oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the cronut of its day. I mean, does it connect to the beach? It's neither here nor there because Krispy Kreme is its own... I think you could argue it was like we were in Brooklyn. You could be like Coney Island vibes, you know? Sure, sure, sure. That's a great point. I mean, that's the thing, though, about growing up in New York is that you actually have like really big cultural touchstones. Like you all knew what Coney Island was. I grew up in like the middle of the country of like the only things I knew about were like the Mississippi River. But that sounds really romantic. That sounds like um, like a John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck, maybe um, Tennessee Williams. Maybe there you Mark go. That's Wayne. what I mean. Um, John Steinbeck was 
like Big Sur, right? That sounds right. We're going to say that's right. Yeah. But see, like, that's why your bar mitzvah theme was the beach and you had like a Coney Island reference. My bar mitzvah theme was Austin Powers. That's perfect. <laughs> that's really good. I would have loved that. It, you know what? It ended up being great. It was just like inappropriate for 13 year olds. I mean, my twin brother and I were, is the only thing we could agree upon. You know, I wanted to do Broadway. He wanted to do sports. It's a tale as old as time. It is the sports of Broadway. Oh, you, you know what? That is true. It is the sports of Broadway, which is just a Mike Myers vehicle. Um, I mean, it's a great movie. Twin bar mitzvahs. I went to a twin bar mitzvah. You're very tall, right? I'm very tall. He is very short. Oh, wow. He is straight, very short, um, and works in finance. I mean, we could not be more different. But Interesting. And that's a whole other thing because it's just like talk about identity of like growing up being a twin with someone that is so vastly different. I mean, he's very shy. Very, He was one of my bullies too in high school, bringing it back to bullies. But he actually grew up to be a gr- great person, of course. But oof, he was a dick. He was bad. He would make fun of how I looked. He would make fun of, oh, you know what he would do? Is he would hey, we're twins. <laughs> That's the thing is we looked nothing alike. I hit wow. puberty so much earlier than he did. I And I was so deeply closeted. He had no idea because he is a ignorant, was an ignorant Midwesterner. And so he would not know that he was torturing me by like coming into the bedroom and going, I heard a rumor. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, you're, everyone's talking that I'm gay. Everyone knows it. And he, but and, but then he was just like I'm just being a dick. He had no idea, truly, oh truly. You know, um, one time in the car, I had convinced myself that the way that my dad looked at me in the rearview mirror was his way of communicating that he could tell that I was thinking impure homosexual thoughts. You thought your dad was a gay mind reader. And in that moment, I, I knew it. I was certain of it. I spent the whole rest of that ride silent, just, just terrified for what was next. And I went, my dad knows. And just like that, my dad knows. <laughs> That's the voiceover of, of this short film. And just like that, my dad knows. And if I had a, someone coming into my room going, I heard a rumor, I would absolutely lose my mind. Of course, I, of course, t- almost 20 times I blurted it out. Who told you I was gay? He was like, oh, I was just saying that I heard that you ate too many chicken fingers. Like, <laughs> You're like, what flashlight? <laughs> it was a butt, but I didn't know. I thought it was a vagina. It turns on too. I, I use it to see in the dark. Yeah, not the case. Um, I will say, I feel like I could talk with you for literally the entire night, but one of the last um, sort of segments I want to get into before we, we sign off is I want to ask a really important question about the world ending. The world's ending, and you're only able to save one character actress, one iconic figure. Is there one person that you will not let perish? Yes, and her name is Eri Watanabe. Talk to me about her. She's a Japanese actress. And she was in a movie that I watched last night. (laughs) And I loved her so much. The movie is called Shall We Dance? There was a remake with Richard Gere, Jennifer Lopez, and Susan Sarandon. I do love that movie. I'm going to watch it. I've never seen it. It was one of those growing up that I think was probably universally pretty disliked, and I loved it. I thought Jennifer Lopez was so... I think she's actually, in, like, like the wedding planner, Hustlers, 
shall we dance i think she's really got some she's got she's got the thing she's got it if you can remember did she play like the very sad dance teacher yes and then at the end do they dance to get do they end up together no that's what i don't remember it's been so many years but i actually have no idea i'm curious i'm curious to see what they've done because the i'll tell you this the original it's from 1996 it is one of the most stylish movies I have ever seen in my whole life. Mm. It is gorgeous skirt after gorgeous skirt after beautiful, sad man on a train. It is just, oh, it's just such an eye treat. Um, and it's, it's so good. It's so, so, so good. Um, but um, Ari Watanabe plays, she's basically like, like the brassy funny one Mm. and she's one moment she's mean one moment she's really fun and you can just tell like she just has it you know like everyone does a really good job uh especially the supporting cast of the movie um like everyone does a good job but she really stands out as like you can just tell like she's so fucking good at acting and and also it's in japanese i don't understand what they're saying i'm reading i mean i'm japanese i don't speak japanese my Mm -hmm. i'm fourth generation i'm yonsei my mom's mom was deaf so they spoke american sign language there's no japanese language in my family um so I don't understand what they're saying, but I'm, I'm reading these subtitles and I'm watching their performances and they're just, uh, her especially just so like, you just know exactly. It just bridges language, you know, like when you're, yeah. she's, oh God. That's what I think is so limiting about people that won't watch movies with subtitles. It's like, no, it, a good movie transcends language. Like, I am going to be watching this version of Shall We Dance because it sounds incredible. And also, we need something beautiful to look at and a story. And the story, the story is just... That's probably why I love the Jennifer Lopez versions because it, you can't mess with a good story. Yeah. Ari Watanabe. Ari Watanabe. She's well, now. I hope she's thriving. I really I think she is. She's still working. She's for sure still working. Ugh, I love that. Well... Yeah. God, and you, I want you to watch it and I want to talk about her after she, you're going to love, she's just, damn, she's so like, you can just tell she more than other people earned her spot. You know, Mm. she's like really, and she's not being even given what she can do. Like she's really, like you really get the sense that like, she's so much better than, than she's has even more than what she's bringing to this role, which is a ton. She has even more. You just, Yes, I love to hear that. You know, what? I'm glad you said someone like her because it's so specific, beautiful. Like, yeah. sounds like she needs to she needs to be a household name here. It does. Yeah, I hope I hope that we can we can find a vehicle for Ari Watanabe. Well, listen, what a treat! I mean, so many exciting things happening for you, Jared, and I can't wait to see what's next. And you know what? <laughs> I hope you get to go on some great dates and meet some great people that don't take you to the middle of the ocean. The middle of the ocean. Lunatics. What a joy. Thanks for listening, my friends. And make sure you subscribe, review. We want to make sure that the algorithm picks us up so we can get the attention of Whoopi Goldberg. As always, follow me on Instagram at Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z. And that's a Gay Ass Podcast is at Gay Ass Podcast. I'll see you next time.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.